0: Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Uh, Good morning. Good Sunday morning to everybody. Welcome online. Thank you for tuning in and joining us. And uh, man, great to see everybody here. Um, Man, you ready for Thanksgiving? Woo! I love Thanksgiving. That's just gonna, it's one of my favorite holidays, and uh, how many of you are uh, sleeping on an air mattress or, uh, you know, grandma's bed that you can't stand, anything like that, I don't know. Um, But uh, welcome those of you who are here already in town. Uh, Those of you who are out of town watching us online, thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, You made it, you made it. Today, as Scott said, is the last, uh, uh, the ninth and final characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the series that we've been in uh, from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Listen to this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? What? Self-control, what a a one to talk about before Thanksgiving, right? Uh, Now, I'm not a gambler, I don't gamble, but if I did, I'd be willing to bet that most of us, again, when we hear the word self-control, our initial reaction is, no, no. Because we tend to associate self-control with saying no to things like freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. That favorite dessert that you've just been (laughs) licking your lips waiting for your mom or your grandmother to make this week. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but I lead the uh, Bod for God life group. It's a uh, Get Healthy Weight Loss group, and we normally meet on Thursdays, Thursday nights, and I told my group that they all have to screenshot their weight for me um, this Thursday night. Uh, we're, I didn't make them do that. But guess what? Our our Bod for God group, we've now collectively lost almost 100 pounds. That's pretty good. What have you done, bunch of losers? No, anyway... Um, no, anyway, it's been great. Uh, but, you know, when you hear the word self-control, you start thinking about maybe the need, you know, to hit the gym or, uh, you know, you start talking, thinking about your mind goes to, you know, your impulsive shopping habits or, you know, your quick temper or some weakness that you have that always just seems to get the best of you. So... If that's the case, then strap yourselves in, you know, for this message on self-control. In fact, how many of you are thinking, "Oh man, great," you know, I show up today. Here's just another reminder of all the ways that I fail, you know, in which uh, I fail at things that I ought to be doing. And again, I say all of that because for many of us, that is what self-control is. It's synonymous with restraint, uh, restriction the loss of freedom, the absence of fun. But what if self-control is something completely different? What if, as one author puts it, true self-control holds believers in bounds but not in bonds? It affects, uh, its effect is to enlarge, expand, and to liberate. I think he's on to something. In fact, listen to the importance of self-control in Proverbs 25, 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now think about that for a second, because when the book of Proverbs was written, a city without walls was in a very dangerous position. It would have presented a, a uh, major breach in security. The city was open to possible attack. Uh, without walls, an enemy could, you know, that wanted something really basically had free reign to simply come in and take it. There was little defense to keep them from capturing it or even worse, maybe just burning the city to the ground. So he's saying, a ci- just like a city without walls, the person without self control is wide open to his or her onslaught of uh, his enemies. You know, in other words, the implication is that when a person has no self-control, little self-control, then something like anger, you know, can come in and uh, uncontested, right? And just do whatever it wants. Lust, you know, doesn't have to sneak in. No, it just walks in and dominates. Greed can run rampant, causing, you know, whatever it pleases. Other dangers like resentment, self-pity, laziness, gluttony. They're all they're they're all free just to come in and chill, steal, conquer, enslave the person who lacks self-control. So I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like freedom to me. That doesn't sound like fun. So as we look at it from this perspective, I think we can see that self-control is one of those things that really is essential to our freedom. It actually protects us and our our tendencies to, you know, our sinful tendencies, and it frees us to enjoy a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. So before we go any further today, you know, talking about what self-control actually is, I want us to take just a very quick moment and talk about what self-control is not, okay? Self-control is not self-help, or uh, self-improvement, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, just try to be better. Um, It's so important as we talk about Galatians chapter 5 that we we look at the larger context here for these verses on the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, Paul didn't write those two verses, you know, um, in isolation, okay? So let's back up just a little bit to verses 16 and 17. Listen to this. So I say let the holy spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants and the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly what what does it say fighting each other so you're not free to carry out you know your good intentions So what's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that basically, guys, listen, you you and I, we are basically a walking battleground. You know, we've got to face a constant internal battle with our flesh, our sinful nature that continues to want to gravitate toward that which is wrong and unhealthy for us. And so this battle will never be won by your own willpower or self-determination. He says you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a little example of that. The Apostle Paul, you know, he's probably one of the most determined individuals who ever lived, but he was very candid about his own ongoing battle with sin and his sinful nature. Listen to what he wrote, Romans chapter 7. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do... I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life, of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Wow. I mean, so here's the Apostle Paul in the middle of this battle, you know, this constant battle acknowledging, hey, I have a desire to do what is right. I typically don't carry it out, though. And so, when we talk about self control, listen, we're not talking about self help. In fact, Paul went on to say, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who's going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? In other words, he's admitting, Hey, help has got to come from somewhere else, it's got to come from the outside. So, what's his answer? I mean, does he leave us hanging? No, he says in verse 25, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord, which leads us to talk about what self-control really is. Because if it's not self-help or self-improvement, then what is it? Well, what looks like self-control is actually the fruit, the byproduct of letting someone else take control. It's living by the Spirit under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In fact, again, go back to Galatians 5. Now, fast forward to verse 25. It says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's self-control. Now, this is important to see, though. You see, God has already given you in Christ Jesus, okay, as a believer, everything you need for life and for godliness. He's not holding back on you, okay? Listen to 2 Peter 1.3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. In other words, in the deepest eternal sense, when you are in Christ You can't get any more of God or from God than you already possess. He's not holding out on you. The Bible teaches he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He's already given you everything you need for life and godliness. Now, does that include self-control? You bet it does. In fact, it extends to every other one of these characteristics that we've talked about in this series. Through his divine power, he has already given you everything you need for love. He's given you everything you need for joy. He's given you everything you need for peace, patience, and kindness. Everything we need for goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So self-control is participating with God's initiative participating with God's initiative. In other words, it's living by the Spirit under the lordship of Jesus. God initiates and then we respond. It's, it goes back to that analogy that, that we've, we've talked about from the very beginning of the series and uh, where Jesus talks in John 15 about the vine and the branches. Remember, he's the vine, we are the branches. Now, the branch doesn't support or grow, the vine does it. It's an outgrowth of the vine. So is Self-control. So it's love, patience, kindness, goodness, all of it. It's all an outgrowth of what God first initiates in us and then we respond. I love the way Paul uh, expressed it to the church in Philippi and Philippians. After telling them, hey, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he says, for God is working in you, giving you, I love this, both the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So what is it that God wants to work and initiate in in our lives? What am I participating in with God? Well, in terms of self-control, it's that healthy regulation of our desires and our appetites. Or to borrow the language of Romans 8.13, it's by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of our sinful nature. It's, It's putting your lusts on a leash. It's being set free and living free from harmful excesses. Now let's get real about this for a moment. let's personalize this for all of us. See, the point I'm trying to make today is that nobody, nobody in this room, nobody watching this online, regardless of how old you are, young you are, how long you've been following Jesus, no one has the inner strength in and of themselves apart from God to free ourselves from all those fleshly desires that want to enslave us. In uh, 1 Peter 2.11, Peter describes them as fleshly lusts that wage against your soul. That's what I meant earlier when I talked about that we're, we're in a walking battleground. So where's the battle especially hard for you? You know, in in what areas are you most vulnerable? Now, back to Galatians, back up just a little bit, uh, chapter 5, verses 19 and 21. Notice that Paul lists a bunch of areas. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and just in case he left any out, he says, and other sins like these. we might do a whole series on that next, all these uh, this list that 's quite a list isn 't it? I mean, and obviously what he 's describing here goes way beyond you know just you know alcohol and sex he 's describing a number of Fleshly lusts, fleshly desires that want to dominate and enslave us just like a city without walls. For example, it's not that we eat, it's that we become gluttons. It's not that we have a drink, it's that we become drunk. It's not that we enjoy having conversation, we become gossips. It's not that we spend money, but we become absolutely absorbed with materialism. And before you know it, whatever it might be can spiral out of control into this cycle of addiction where you just can't seem to get enough of food, sex, stuff, money, pleasure, whatever it might be. So what's the answer to all that? Moralism? Just say no? Just keep the rules? Let me ask, how's that working for you? (laughs) Right? Listen, the answer live by the Spirit under the lordship of Jesus. Listen, none of this, this isn't intended to make us feel guilty. No. His intent is to make us want Jesus. To run to him. You see, the church was never intended to be a place for people who are perfect. Far from it. It's a place for people who are just being transformed day by day into the image of Jesus. And the, and the only way to truly exercise self-control and to overcome the pull of sin in our life is through the work of Jesus and the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about how. You know, again, Galatians 5.25, one more, listen to this. Since we are living by the Spirit, Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's what I mean, again, by participating with God's initiative. You see, the secret of self-control is participating with God in every part and every area of our life. And maybe you're thinking today, you know, Pastor Chris, that sounds great, but again, what does it look like you know, practically, because I'm one of those you know practical how you know how to kinds of people. So I want you to spell it out for me. Well, I don't have to. Paul already did in verses 22 through 23. What we've been talking about for nine weeks. He says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love." That's what it looks like. You know, what would it be like if I loved God and loved people? What would it look like if I was truly a loving person? Joy. I mean. What if I wasn't always walking around with this dark cloud over my head, but in spite, you know, you know, in fact, there could be joy in my life and joy in my relationships in spite of, you know, what's going on, in spite of my circumstances. What if, you know, there was real peace? What would it be like if there's real peace in my life? If, if I wasn't stressed and anxious, if I didn't have a hard time, you know, falling asleep at night, didn't wake up filled with fear or panic or dread, because of something you know, I did or something I forgot to do. What if I were patient? I mean, if I could actually wait on God and wait for him and for people, I mean, wait for God to provide rather than try to take matters in my hand all the time, what would it look like if I was kind or filled with goodness or faithful or gentle or self-control? You know, if I could enjoy a glass of wine without getting drunk, if I could enjoy a meal without becoming a glutton, if I could have a conversation without turning it into gossip, if I could spend money without going into debt rather than, you know, hammering my horn in traffic, constantly staying worked up and ticked off at everybody. So what's the plan? You know, again, while self-control and all of these are undoubtedly a work of God through the Spirit, it's also true, and we've talked about this, that you and I have to be a willing participant. You're not a robot, you're not a puppet. So how can we practically work toward, you know, self-control? How can we participate with God, respond to his initiative in a world full of temptation? What's gonna be your plan? Let me, let me quickly mention five. Five ways that I think we can develop this, grow this spiritual discipline in our life. Number one, just start by being honest about your weaknesses. I mean, you, you can't fix something if you don't admit it's broken. You know, so if you're serious about developing greater self-control, you've got to be totally honest with yourself about where you lack it. And biblically speaking, this really is an essential part of of confession and repentance. It's being honest about weakness and sin. 1 John 1, 8 and 10 says, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, listen to this, cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart. So the first step is just to be honest. You know, there on your outline uh, this morning in, in person, there's a, I've listed some, you know, just common areas of struggle. Uh, maybe yours is listed here. Maybe you struggle with your words, your language, cursing, your thoughts. You, you tend to worry, you're, you're anxious all the time. Sex, lust, pornography, you know, food, alcohol, drugs, prescription pills, temper, time management, spiritual disciplines, exercise, taking care of your body, money management, spending habits, you know. You're like, check, 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 you know, other. Let me fill a whole long list, you know. But the truth is, listen, are you willing to identify it? Are you willing to acknowledge to yourself and to others and to God? This is an area of struggle. Number two, renew your mind through God's Word. Renew your mind through God's Word. I can't say enough about... The transforming power of the Word of God in your life. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word renewing there." In that verse, it means complete renovation. It is a gutting and rebuilding. And so Paul is describing the the rebuilding, the renovating of our mind. And I, I love how he connects it to the transformation of our life as we allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts and our minds. In other words, do you need more self control? Then guess what? You got to cultivate the daily discipline of Bible reading and prayer, pouring your heart out to God and allowing Him and His Spirit to speak to you through His Word. Number three, invest in spiritual friendships. Invest in spiritual friendships. And you might say, Pastor Chris, I got a lot of Christian friends. Well, that's great. But I'm I'm talking more than just acquaintances. I'm talking about, you know, friendships that go beyond Sunday morning. I'm talking about being intentional and pursuing those friendships where you can be real and transparent about your struggles. You know, in, in our, in our, Life group training in our groups. I talk about, you know, everybody developing this. I talk about this in our membership sh- sh- class. And I'll hold my hand up, wiggle my fingers. Everybody needs this. You know, a handful, three, four, five, what do I call them, two o'clock in the morning, what? Friends. You know, th- that's where biblical community begins to take place. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, is in real trouble. Now, by the way, that's not talking about falling and skinning your knee. Okay, it's not. We're talking about falling into hardship, falling into weakness, falling morally. And when that happens, we need trusted friends who we've, we've given permission to speak truth and love into our lives. That's what John, I think, is describing in 1 John 1, 1.7. You know, after he talked about uh, in God, you know, there's no darkness, he's light. He goes on to say this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, notice there, he actually connects, you know, walking in the light. In other words, what? Openness, transparency, you know, the absence of darkness, the absence of hiding. He connects that with our fellowship with one another and the purifying cleansing that comes through the blood of Jesus. You see, they're they're, they're interconnected. So I want to encourage you about being very intentional about pursuing spiritual friendships. You know, where that, that it enables you to invest in, in that level of fellowship and cleansing. You need that. I need that. That's why we, we make such a big deal here at Coastal about you know, joining a life team, joining a life group. Because it's in that environment where you know, we're going to put you in that, in that environment where you have an opportunity to develop that. Number four, exercise self, your self-control muscle. Exercise your self-control muscle. So like any other muscle you know, in your body physically, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And so as we begin to participate with God, to respond, we discover that our self-control muscle will strengthen. You know, I'll give you an example. Let's say you struggle, you know, with pornography, lust, and, you know, you're home alone, you got a high-speed internet connection, or you got your phone, and there's this serious amount of temptation, and instead, you maybe you go for a walk, you pray, you get into the Word, you call a friend, you know, you reach out to that accountability partner, and maybe, just maybe, you have that one moment of small victory. Well, guess what happens? You're gonna be that much stronger the next time. You see, the the same applies if you're struggling with anything, a tendency to gamble, to to eat too much, to drink too much, any temptation. So here's my point. Whatever your struggle is, listen to this. It's so simple. You'll get better at resisting temptation if you practice resisting temptation. I mean, that's how it works. You'll get better at resisting temptation if you practice resisting temptation. And then remember and stand on God's promise in his word. In 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. the temptations in your life, they're no different from what others experience. Listen, you're not alone. You know, we all experience the same temptations. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, not if, When, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That's a great promise. Number five, let's close with this. Surrender your entire life to Jesus. Surrender your entire life to Jesus. It just goes back to that. All of it does. You see, lack of self-control is a sign of an area in your life that is either unexamined or not yet surrendered to Jesus. You know, when someone becomes a Christian, when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, we'll often say they gave their heart to Jesus, right? They gave their heart to Jesus, and that's not a bad phrase. I think that's great because it means that a new relationship with Jesus has begun. It started. But as you mature, you quickly realize that the Christian life is about more than just giving your heart to Jesus. It's about giving your mind your mouth, your body, your eyes, your hands, your feet. What? It's about surrendering your entire life to Jesus. Another word for surrender might be the word offering. Offering your life to Jesus. Look at the message version of Romans 12.1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life you're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as a what? Offering. Are you willing to do that? You know, if, if you've never done that, if you've never made that initial first-time decision to surrender your life to Christ, You can do it today. What are you waiting on? And maybe you are a follower of Jesus. Will you take all of your life, every part, even your struggles and your weaknesses, and just lay it before God today? Especially that area, that that area of your life where you're seeking to develop Self-control. You see, it's not enough just to try to do it on your own. You know, just try harder, be better. You know, work on it on your own. We desperately need the grace and the power of God. I'm going to close with this passage. Just look at this. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, to you this morning, by the way, Eager to do what is good. Notice there that the key to seizing self-control, it all starts with grace. God's lavish favor poured out on us, undeserving sinners like you and me. You see, Jesus not only saves us from the penalty of sin, He also delivers us from the power of sin. So again, how about you? Have you accepted God's grace through faith in his one and only son, Jesus? And if you have done that, have you over time taken back control of certain areas of your life? Maybe today is the day that you give that back to Jesus. That you live by the Spirit under the Lordship of Christ. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much for this passage of Scripture that we have journeyed through together here in Galatians chapter 5. May we live by the Spirit under the Lordship of Christ. And Father, week in and week out here at Coastal, we know that you are drawing people to yourself. There are people here in this room, there are people watching online that are ready to come home. They want to give up this endless, frustrating battle of you know just trying to do better, you know, self-determination, self-will. They're ready to just admit that they need you. And so if that's you today, just, you know, however you might word it in your heart, just pray something like this, Dear God, I do admit it. I'm a sinful person in need of a Savior. I've messed up. I don't always do the right thing. Like Paul, I many times do the wrong thing when I'm wanting to do the right thing. And when I do the right thing, I, I have... Bad motives, I admit it. But Father, I believe that your love for me was so great that you are willing, um, willing to give up your son Jesus as the answer. That he would pay for my sin. And that if I would just put my faith in him, that I would have the desire to do what is right and the power to do it. I'd have forgiveness. I'd have a home in heaven forever. I'd be your child. So Father, today, I ask Jesus to come into my life and I want to give all of my life to him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And for the rest of my my days, I just want to live by the Spirit under the lordship of christ in jesus name i pray amen thanks for listening from pastor chris and the family at coastal community church have a blessed day